0: You are listening to First Church Charlotte. Bless your holy name, Lord Jesus. We bless your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 God bless you all. You may be seated. I love what I feel here today. I'm So glad for all of our guests and friends who have joined with us today. Thank you for joining your hearts to ours as we express our love to God for his goodness in our life. Uh, real quick, I wanted to say one thing to the, the men's outing we do every year out at uh, Copperhead Island at Lake Wiley. It's really just a park. Don't be impressed with the name. Uh, If you're really impressed with the name then you should be a part of women's ministries here at the church because you'll notice the women are really impressed with that name and so it's just a park on lake wiley um it's free this year it's it's uh we've decided to pay uh in years past we've had we've collected money to pay for the good food because we wanted really good food this year it's free just sign up so we'll know and prepare for you and come uh this friday night out on lake lake is a great time great fellowship i wanted you to be aware of that uh, I am uh, also introducing something new for you. I want to make you rich in the Word. Uh, as a teacher, as a preacher, I, I want you to feel rich in the Word because uh, a scripture is God's gift to us. We don't have to wonder what God's saying to us. Just read. <laughs> it's right there. Uh, one of the things we're, we're doing here is if you Uh, Look on our website. You'll see the notes of the message I'm preaching today. It's available on our website. Um, In fact, if you want to do it today, you can get your phone out. You go to firstchurchclt.com, and you click on slash notes, Um, and uh, you can follow along with my notes. This is the notes I'm preaching from. Also, at the end of each section, there's a place for you to add your own notes, and then at the end, you can email it all to yourself. So when you leave here today, you'll say, Man, I am rich in the Word. That's what we want to do here at First Church. Um, So I'm going to get started preaching. My title today is the Do Something Church. The Do Something Church. Everybody say this with me. Say, I want to be a part of a Do Something Church. Amen, amen, amen. All right, God bless you all. Let's get started. Uh, I, yesterday was like many of you here on the, the property as we started our backpack drive our giveaway uh, to support the neighborhoods around the church and give away uh, backpacks and school supplies. And we prayed with people and we gave away scooters and bikes that had, uh, were a part of that day. We gave away f- hot dogs. It was just a great day. And as I stood there and I looked around, just, just a moment into my life here, I, I just felt overflowing in my heart. And I just, uh, as I surveyed, everywhere I looked, I saw number one people I didn't know, uh, I saw kids that needed backpacks enough to get out here and wait in line in 90 something degree heat. Um, <laughs> rich kids don't do that, just so you know. The, the kids, if they do that, they need, and we are honored to help those people. And so they, we had a line going all the way around the church. Um, I I worked the line and introduced myself to people and all that good stuff. It was a, a tremendous honor that our church could be a part of that. But everywhere I looked, I saw you guys. I saw our volunteers, 70-plus volunteers from the church here, giving a day of their time. Some of them much more than that. We had men here putting bikes together. We had a setup. We had planning. It's just a quite big event, as you can imagine. And my heart just, I felt overwhelmed. And I realized I had never felt more proud to be the pastor of First Church than I was looking around at this great day. That had been put together, and uh, you look you look over here, and the band is in this trailer, and it's 200 degrees inside the trailer, and they're not complaining except to each other. That's different, you know. And uh, Mark Mark is MCN just doing a great job. And uh, Bridget's over praying for people, and Lisa's over praying for people, and uh, the, line, the, the 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 it's just unbelievable. Uh, all of the workers and volunteers parking, standing out in the field, uh, and then there was those of us who were executive talent, always looking for air conditioning and shade, and uh, that's what executive talent means, you know, and so, (laughs) just an amazing day, never more, never more proud uh, to be a part of this church than yesterday. I think every church in America should throw its heart at the community in which God has placed it. Uh, I don't think that I don't think that uh, whether or not the community believes all of their doctrine should matter. Uh, I'll explain this more in just a moment. I don't believe whether or not the community all comes to their house of worship should matter. You see, I believe God places the local church and gives it a duty, a calling, an anointing, an opportunity to manifest the kingdom of God in the neighborhood it's placed. And if the church fails to manifest the kingdom of God in that neighborhood, then it is a failure of that church to comprehend what the kingdom of heaven consists of. Should I try over here? Uh, If we we can have the wrong conception about what the kingdom of heaven is about, Uh, we can begin to think in terms of, oh, I just want to be saved. Well, um, the problem with that is that you're trying to build a kingdom of love upon fear. And the fear is that you won't be saved. You need to believe that the one who started you on this journey is capable of taking you all the way home. He who hath begun a good work in you is able... Praise be to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly. Let me, let me tell you. Praised be to God through our Lord Jesus. Uh, praise be to God, who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, if you are walking in faith and you are trusting to His work, uh, you have an opportunity to, to build your life upon a foundation that is love-focused and not fear-focused. Right. Frustrated Christianity is born out of trying to understand a kingdom of love through an experience of fear. Uh, uh, this is a disconnect. You have to believe that God has done a work for you that cannot be undone. As long as you are sincere and as long as you are pursuing God, you need to leave what you can't influence anyway in the hand of the one who paid for it. Yeah. The kingdom of heaven is not about us for making sure we're saved. The kingdom of heaven is about manifesting the nature and the heart of God to the world in which we are placed. Yeah. I like to describe the kingdom of heaven this way. This is, uh, in my personal opinion, the most important way uh, to describe uh, the kingdom of heaven in terms that uh, we can understand. And I would do it like this. Uh, how How are you doing loving the people God has placed you and appointed you to love? Mm, I'm going to have to dig some for a little bit here today. So let me let me back up and let me give you uh, images of God in the Scripture. There are four descriptions of God, and these are given to us to help us understand Him. Uh, they are not always simple in their communication, and what they represent is not always easy to comprehend. I will show you. The first thing the Scripture will uh, reveal to you is that God is spirit. Somebody say, God is spirit. Uh, this is shown to us probably most uh, well-known in the most well-known manner in John 4 and 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, God is not of this carnal physical world. He is of a spiritual world, and uh, as a spirit being, we must approach him with the understanding of his essence and who he is. Secondly, God is light. The Bible says that God is light. 1 John 1 and verse number 5, this is the message you, we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light And in him there is no darkness at all. I want you to to see this. This is an image that the writers are giving you to help you understand something about the nature, the nature, the character of God. The third thing, uh, God is love. We see this 1 John 4 and 16. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And finally, the fourth image given to us as as teaching illustrations uh, into the nature and the reality of God is Hebrews 12 and 29, our God is a consuming fire. Of these four images, we have spirit, we have light, we have love, we have a consuming fire. Three of them are very difficult for us to say that we as beings, mortal beings, walking in a physical world, living a carnal physical life, three of these are very difficult for us to comprehend or understand. And that, of course, would be spirit, light, and consuming fire. But one of them one of these images of God shows us exactly how we can experience the, a fundamental element of his nature. And that is simply to say that God is love. It's more than just this uh, teaching illustration I'm giving right now. This theme will be repeated over and over and over in the word, in the word of the Lord. So for example, uh, we know God through love. We, we receive God's love because he first loved us. We know God through through love. And John, the last of the gospel writers, uh, you guys can turn me down in these monitors. I am very, very loud. My self-esteem is very, very high. <laughs> he is going to repeat this point over and over and over, and that is simply this. You cannot say that you know God and have a love problem. Amen. He said, in fact, it's You're missing something fundamental if you say you love God, but you can't love your brother. Because God is love, and the manner in which we most naturally perceive what his kingdom would feel like is not through saying he was a spirit. We struggle to perceive the difference in the world we live in and a spiritual uh, existence. It's not even to say he is light, because that is almost the otherness of God, or as the biblical writer would say the holiness of god when the bible says god is holy it it's not saying that uh, he wears appropriate clothes or doesn't run around with a shirt off. That's not what they are saying. They're saying God is, he is other. He is, he is the ultimate ideal. He is holy. We cannot understand everything that is good is sourced in him. Everything that is beautiful is sourced in him. He is holy. And when we say God is light, it's like saying God is holy. Yes, when he spoke to Moses, Moses' head began to glow as a sign. Uh, yes, Paul was struck down from uh, on the road to Damascus and blinded by a great light. But this is an image that's not easy to understand, and of course, consuming fire that is it's there's something there, but it's of to do with his holiness, his otherness. This is what we can know, and this is what we can see about God. God is love, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Let me read 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. As a church... choice to manifest the kingdom of God in the neighborhood and the city and the metro in which we are placed, the best way to do that is to fulfill that which is of God's heart and of God's nature and show forth divine love to the world in which we have been placed. There's no better system. There's no better plan. How are you doing loving the people God has appointed you to love? Remember, I taught this a few weeks back in the Old Testament. The Lord defends Himself with His actions, and He does things for His namesake. Over and over again, you will read this. He saved them. Why? For His namesake. He defended them. Why? For His namesake. He delivered them. He provisioned them. He kept them. He blessed them. Why? For His, say it with me, namesake. In the New Testament, the language changes. It's not what God has done for His namesake, but everything that the apostles do, the Bible says, they went out. Why? For his name's sake. They preach the gospel. Why? For his name's sake. Hear me, church. We must open our heart to the world in which God has placed us, because we are defending the heart and the nature of God to the world in which we are placed. We love, we accept, we embrace, we speak life for his name namesake. Yeah. Real quick, I want to point out here in this passage we read in First John, um, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. The word know there is the same word where the writer of the book of Genesis said, Adam knew Eve, and they, she, she, uh, they, she beget children. Um, this is the same word. It, it, it denotes an intimacy and a closeness where two have become one, literally. It's taken from that into a spiritual connotation in other words John says if you if you do not love you do not you are not one with God you do not intimately know God this is the problem that religious people oftentimes have they feel like when they love people in their sin and in their flaws they're saying to those people that it's okay for those people to live the way they live that is the heart of a Pharisee I only will love you if I approve of you honey you You don't even approve of me. How do you know what I'm doing? Now, hopefully I'm living right, you know, being good, or my wife will kill me. She's already broke her foot on me. I want you to see something, though. Love is not dependent on you. God loved you when you were still a sinner. If the people who came to this 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 place yesterday, if they never come to this church, it was still the goodness of God that allowed us to love them. If they never repent of their sins, if they never turn their heart toward God, if they're never baptized, if they're never any water spirit, if they never do that, if they never even turn their heart toward God, we still were a church that manifests the love of God when we threw our hearts at Him and said we want to be here for you. That is what the kingdom of heaven is doing here on earth. And that's not just my idea, but this is over and over. James and Paul and Peter and on and and John, on and on. They are saying this over and over and over again. Paul says, look, if you had all power, it wouldn't be as effective, effective as if you just loved people. Amen. Paul says, even if you could speak with the tongues of men and angels, that wouldn't be as good as if you just would love people. He said, if you understood all mysteries, imagine how cool that would be. The Lord will return on 2020, whatever. Even if you could do that, that wouldn't be as good as if you just loved people because love is how the kingdom of heaven is manifest here on earth. And if you think... How did the house of Israel miss this? They missed this because they felt most like God when they gave law, not when they gave love. And we can make the same mistake today. We feel most like God when we give law and not love. And so it is the Pharisees always try to trap Jesus between law and people. That's the whole point of them bringing these theological conundrums to Jesus. Like for example, the lady in adultery. The law says she should be crucified. Or not crucified, stoned. Crucified is what we're going to do to you in just a few weeks. she should be stoned, what do you say? Do you see how they're always trapping Jesus against the law? What matters more? Do people matter more, or do the law matter more? Jesus always shows them that he loves people more than law. How could he do that? Because if you transgress the law at all, you're guilty of all of it. John, Peter, James, they all point this out. If you've transgressed it at all, and the point is not that she's not a sinner, the point is everybody here pointing fingers is sinners too. If law teaches you anything else, then you need grace. You misunderstood law. Amen. Amen. And so you see this, this, this challenge that is upon the church. We manifest the love of God to our community. I want us to be the do-something church. I want us to do something in our homes, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our places of employment. I want to show you why we need to do this. And let me let me direct you uh, as we continue here to uh, famous work that was written a few, few years back. Gary Chapman wrote a classic work entitled The Five Love Languages or The Five Languages of, of Love. And I'm going to real quickly give you an overview because these are a great categorization of how we humans show love one to another. Uh, Number one, uh, words of affirmation. Uh, This is when you say something positive to somebody. I love you. I appreciate you. You did a great job. Number two, physical touch. I know it's the age and the era of me too, and we need to be appropriate and careful with physical touch. Um, But I want you to know people crave uh, somebody caring about them. And sometimes just you putting a hand on their shoulder, just you giving them an appropriate hug or some action of affection can give them a reassurance and give them a statement of acceptance and uh, welcome uh, as much as anything. And some of you, that's your love language. Uh, Number three, uh, time spent with them, quality time spent with them. Uh, This is a love language. Number four, gifts, special, thoughtful, personal uh, gifts. Number five, acts of service where you do something to help them. Uh, All of these are, are love languages that we show one another affection and we show one another uh, an acceptance. Now, Chapman points out his book, uh, that's the those five love languages, and then he points out that all of us have one or two that we do the best at and then two or three that we don't do as well at. And that's an important truth for us in all of our relationships. Number three, he points out that we oftentimes will err by communicating our love language to somebody and not see how they're communicating in their love language back to us. And relationships can go through difficult times because of that. Now I want to answer a question. Uh, What is God's love language? The Bible says the Lord speaks with the voice of many waters. And so I want you to know that God speaks with all of these five love languages. And we see it shown to us in the scripture. Number one, words of affirmation. The Bible tells you just how much the Lord loves you through physical touch. If you've ever spent any time in God's presence, and as you get caught up in worship, you will feel Him wrap His presence around you. Through time spent with you, trust me, if you'll make space in your life, the presence of God will flood into your life wherever you are at. Through gifts. Have anybody ever heard of the gifts of the Spirit? It's more than that, but that, we can start with that. It's also provision. It's also protection. And five acts of service. Has God done anything for anybody in here? God speaks with all the languages of love God speaks with all the beautiful different elements of communication, of love to his, to his people. But I, I want to point something out to you. And I want you guys to get this. And, and let me just say, I, I know I'm not trying to preach in some dynamic way. I really am trying to just pour my heart out to you here today uh, and have you receive something on this Sunday, particularly this Sunday after we have more, with more intentionality than we've ever done, opened our heart to a community. I, I want you to see whatever love language you have, what one of these five love languages fits you. You cannot do any one of them without taking action. I said you cannot do any of them without taking action. If you're going to show the heart of God to a generation and a community in which you have been placed. The only way you can do that is to take action in some manner. That's why I say unapologetically, I want us to be the do something church. I want us to get off our excuses. I want us to quit downrating our talents and our gifts. And I want to say, if you're going to show love to somebody, you're going to have to do something. It's not enough to feel something. Some of us have been going to church for years. We felt enough to fix the devil if he would just let it. Uh, It's not enough to feel something. You need to do something. It's not even enough for us to know something. You know, sometimes churches, we think the path to godliness is isolation. That's not the path to godliness. Because then in our isolation, we seek to feel and then to know. I'll give you a perfect example. Man, we had a great prayer meeting. It was just me and Sister Lisa there. We were just the only ones there praying. But my God, we shook the fortress of heaven. And was there any lost people there? Well, no, we're both saved. And everybody else, you know, it was powerful. That's all you didn't know it was powerful. Okay, but no one has seen the love that is exhibited from the heart of God to the community. I have felt something, uh, but there has been no transmission of love. Or we say, oh, we're going to have a prophetic conference. It's going to be at Brother Jeff's house. Jeff's going to spend 14 weeks for teaching on prophecy. And uh, you know, it was just us saved people who showed up there. I'm sorry for picking on y'all. Y'all are just sitting right in front of me. I blame you. Uh, and, and, okay, we have isolated ourselves and then we have felt something uh, and we have learned something. Uh, but what have we done to let the world in which God has placed us to manifest his nature, his heart, and his love. What have we done to show them, hey, God loves you. He's not waiting for you to get perfect to tell you he loves you. He loves you right now in your mess. He's not waiting for you to get sorted out. He loves you in your sin. It's not enough for us to isolate ourselves and know something and or feel something. If you want to manifest love, you have to, you have to do something. 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 How are you doing loving the people God has appointed and anointed you to love? They are all around you. They live next to you. You work with them. You, your, their kids go to school with your kids. How are you doing loving the people? What if they never come to church? You just miss the point. Your job is to manifest the kingdom of heaven on earth. Whether or not they end up as a clone of you is not the main deal. What could churches do if we would turn our attention from ourselves to the community that God has placed us and appointed us to embrace? Can I have a big first church amen on that? not enough to feel, not enough to know, we must do something. James, he wrote this to the church there in Jerusalem, chapter number two, verse number 16. Now, if one of you guys say, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you don't give these people the things they need to be warmed and filled, how have you profited anybody anything? We want to be the do something church. Both the early church father, St. Augustine, and uh, the reformer, Martin Luther, both wrote and observed some Something very, very similar, and that is this. Sin is the curving of everything back to ourselves. Curving everything back to ourselves. We're concerned about our needs, concerned about our provision, concerned about our healing, concerned about our salvation. Uh, This is the path of the self and it stands as a uh, continual temptation in the heart of the Christian who has been invited to take up a cross of sacrifice and be... Spend their life in a redemptive effort to save others. This is the contrast. Because in the kingdom of heaven, things do not always curve back to us, but everything we are and everything that we have is meant to curve out to the world in which we are are placed. I want to read Philippians chapter number two. And again, all of this is in your notes if you're taking advantage of those notes. Uh, Chapter two, verse number one through four. I'm going to read in the message translation. Uh, New translations helps us hear the words fresh and new. I want you to just let these words wash over you and challenge you. Paul writes to that church. He says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Jesus, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, uh, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside. Help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. You are God's plan to defend his name to your world. I am God's plan to defend his name to the world. What is his name? His name is Jesus. What does it mean? Jehovah has become my salvation. I want to conclude with this. Musicians, you can come. I want to conclude with this. Um, The mission of First Church. The structure of First Church. The heart of our pastoral team is completely wrapped around this idea to give you an app, an opportunity to fulfill the purpose of God in your life to others through the structures of the local church. That is the point of the local church. In fact, the whole New Testament is structured around this truth that the local church is the hope of the world. All right. All right. All right. Let me say that again, because over here we were having some various plans for lunch. The whole New Testament is structured in this around this truth: the local church is the hope of God for the world in which it is placed and located. It's God's plan for the world, and if we manifest the nature, the heart, and the love of God to our community, uh, then we can have a difference in our in our community, uh, and the name of the Lord will be uh, mag- magnified. Or as Jesus said, "If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men on." Un- unto me. Everything First Church does is organized around the fact to give you structure in which for you to love the world that God has placed you in. He has given you an opportunity to manifest his heart and his nature to your community. And so I want to I want to point out the first thing that we do here. Uh, We invite you to worship with us. We invite you to join with us in worship. Uh, Our Sunday worship is a great opportunity for the whole community to come together in acceptance and love and love God. Uh, Worship God. Ask Him for His anointing. Ask Him for His spiritual empowerment in our life. Uh, We We invite people to worship. This Sunday cannot happen without a huge team of volunteers. And whether it's production, whether it's praise, whether it's hosts, whether it's ushers, whether it's Sunday school teachers, we give you an opportunity to love somebody. That's what the local church does, an opportunity to love somebody. That's why we say the first thing around here is love God. The second thing we do is we invite you to serve. It's not enough to receive, you must give. Can I have a big amen? So how do we invite you to serve? Well, the first that I've already mentioned is our weekend experience. And we could not do this without a team of volunteers. We call that the dream team. And we invite you to find a way to take your talents and your abilities and get outside of the huddle of yourself and serve other people on that that we can experience. But it's more than that. We do serve days like we did yesterday. Yesterday was a serve day. Uh, sometimes it's organized here on the site. Sometimes a few weeks ago we had a team that or, uh, partnered with Habitat for Humanity and went out and painted a lady's house. And She's just overwhelmed, has attended our church several times. Um, but whether or not she ever attends our church, we still were the people of God manifesting his heart to the community. Mm-hmm. So uh, Dream Team, Serve Days, also, uh, these are all opportunities to serve. Children's uh, ministries, um, all of the various volunteers, we want to give you a place to serve. Number three, we want to give you a place to grow. How will you grow? Spiritual maturity comes in the context of relationships. How do I know that? I bet you there aren't, I bet you there are very few people here who can remember what I preached six Sundays ago. There's very few people here who I could say, Name 10 messages who have changed your life. I doubt if you could name 10 messages that have changed your life. If you can, you're a preaching nerd. Now, let me ask you for five people who have changed your life. Is that do I need, do I need to carry there? Or you understand what I'm saying? Messages, they're good or not, but that's you don't, they're gone. But people change your life. This is why spiritual maturity happens in the terms of relationships. This is why there is leaders, followers. There is a Jesus and His disciples. This is the importance of small groups in a church. Our church is way past the size where everybody can be everybody's friend. That's that's a pipe dream, never going to happen. But we can get larger and smaller at the same time through small groups. And if you don't believe in that, what you're saying is, I just I just want to show up. What you're really saying is, I don't understand how church growth really happens. It happens through discipleship. Discipleship is where you invest your life in someone else. You have gifts and you have people in your life. You could change their life if you would invest in them. And I'm pleading with you today in Jesus' name to be awakened to your own potential. And awakened to your own abilities. You are God's gift to your world. And so, small groups are a great way for you to grow. We also provide things that happen on the site. We, we do midweek Bible studies. We give you opportunities to grow. We're also starting a next month uh, a program. We're calling it Freedom. It's really next steps for uh, people who have already started progressing toward the Lord and they're making progress. They're already serving God. They're probably already saved. Uh, but but things in their past that are still weighing on them and they need to get freedom over those things. They still have things, strongholds of the enemy and they need to find freedom. That'll be starting in September. It'll be happening at just the same time that First Steps happens. It'll be right next door. Uh, This is us helping you to grow because if you are, it's it's like the children of Israel. God had a much easier time getting them out of Egypt than he had getting Egypt out of them. That's what freedom is. We've got to get Egypt out of us. We've got to deal with our yesterdays. So we invite you to worship. We invite you to serve. We invite you to grow. Everything we do here at First Church is structured to put you on this path to being a difference maker in your world. Everything we do is structured to raise up difference makers in the world. Number four, we invite you to give. We believe in your talent. When you go through First Steps, we'll take a survey of your personality type, and we'll connect you with ministry opportunities. We're starting a hosting team. That's job is to hold people's hands between First Steps and the ministry leaders they need to get to know. We want you involved as soon as possible. One of the core values, I mean core, I mean it's it's cost us a few times. Times, but we are committed to it as soon as we can we want to get you involved in the kingdom of God we want to get you volunteering we want to get you working we want you to give you investing and you're like oh well I'm far from perfect well look at Don and he's on the drums I mean if look look, look, if you are waiting for perfection to be a part of the kingdom of God we might as well shut the church down and get everybody off the platform because nobody up here is perfect I know there is a certain personality type that when they go through the church, they're always looking at who's qualified and who's not qualified. And it may not even be who they are. It may have been how they were raised, and how they're trying to overcome the fear of that. (coughs) The devil didn't want me to say that, did he? (coughs) I want you to see. We want to get you involved. Why? You're God's gift to your world. And he's not waiting until you're perfect. He wants you to love somebody today. Out of that comes family. Out of that comes acceptance. Out of that comes hope. Out of that comes joy. And finally, and I'm almost done. I'm doing good on time. I'm not worried a bit. Uh, Number five, we ask you, invite you, prod you, prompt you, cheer you, and equip you to go into your world and to be the difference that God created and ordained you to be. In other words, the star of the show here isn't Pastor Nate, even though he's the most Christian of you all. The star of the show in your world is you. That's a silly way to say it, I admit, because none of us are stars. He's the star. But I want to put the onus in your hands. I want to put the football in your hands. I want to say, run, brother, run. I want to say, run, Forrest, run. Yeah, I am old, sorry. Uh, You are the manifestation of God's love in your world and if you fail to see that if you disqualify yourself then there will be no light in your world you are the light that god has ordained in your world would you stand with me all across the house Hallelujah! i want us to do something here today i, I, I really feel like we don't do this enough i'm going to do it more I want to give you an opportunity of confession. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to take a microphone around, but there is, there's a power in confession that forms as a spiritual beginning in your life. And so as you bow your head, you close your eyes. I know in the spirit, I've been preaching to many of you. Some of you, I could, I could point a finger at and I could tell you the anointing that's on your life, but that's not what I'm gonna do here today. Just head bowed, eyes closed. Those of you who will stand in this moment of confession before God, and you'll raise your hand and say, I am being preached to today. I need to respond in my life today. Would you raise your hand all over the house? God bless all of you. So many hands, so many hands. God bless all of you. All right, I want to pray over you all, and then we're going to move into the the, the prayer service uh, that we do at the end of all of our, our, our services. But first, I want to pray over all of you. Church, join with me right now. Lord, I am praying for a spiritual awakening in every one of our hearts and lives. Help us to believe that we are your hands and feet. Help us to see that you will not send an angel to manifest your love to the world. You only will send us. You only will send us. You only will send us. And we become the hand the feet, the walking, living, breathing testimony of the love of God. Lord Jesus, everyone who raised their hand here today, the, the, the truth is they probably have distractions in their life that keep them from really making the commitment and they've allowed those things to limit them. Lord, I, I want to pray against those distractions if possible. I, I want to I pray for some spiritual tenacity to be put in their spirit where today they would make a commitment, they would make a change, and they would begin to express the kingdom of heaven here On earth. They would be the ladder between heaven and earth where the ministering spirits would climb and descend, ascend and descend upon the ladder of their testimony in their world. In Jesus' name I pray. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost here right now. So as a church, we believe very deeply in the power of God changing lives. If you're here today, you have a need. Uh, we do this. We don't do this to embarrass anybody, but I, we believe. We have too many testimonies of this not to do this. Uh, we're going to go into a prayer service right now. If, you, if you're if you here today and you need a touch in your body, our pastoral team's going to be down here. We're going to anoint you with oil. We're going to speak the name of Jesus with you. If you're moved in your spirit and you want to respond to what God's doing to you right now and you want to step forward in faith and lift your hands and say, Lord, I'm committed to a whole new effort of spiritual purpose in my life. I want you to begin to step out right now from the chair you your hand, and I want you to begin to make your way down the front here. Our guests and friends... You're free to come with us. We won't embarrass you in any way, but we believe in the power of prayer, and we believe in the life change that can happen in a moment when the Holy Ghost falls upon somebody. If you're here today and you need a job circumstance prayed over, this is what this prayer service is for. I want you to be bold. I want you to step out. I want you to come down and get the attention of one of our pastors that are down here, and they're going to speak the name of Jesus over you. If you have a circumstance in your home, a relationship circumstance, maybe a child Children, uh, whatever the need is whatever the need is I want you to respond I feel like there's somebody over here who needs to respond to what I'm saying here today I feel like there's something for you in the altar and I'd like to invite you to be bold We bless the name and of the Lord We bless the name of the Lord what, what is your next step? What is your next step? Uh, that's That's the only step that matters what your next step is and we very much want to acknowledge that very few of us are where we wish we were in faith or God or victory or mission but we all this is deep thoughts for troubled minds wherever you are well then that's where you are see how deep that was that'll change your life right there the step that matters is the next step so, uh, if it's been a while since you've repented and maintain a heart of repentance, where you're seeking by your your choice to turn away from the world as solution to your heart, that's what we do with repentance. We turn away from looking to the world to satisfy us. Yeah, does that make sense? That we turn away. Our, our, we're never going to be satisfied with enough money or the right job or the right. Part. That's all illusions illusions. What we need is connection with our God, connection with the eternal. And what repentance is, is when you turn away from thinking your solutions is going to come from this world and you turn your heart up and say, you are my life. You are my hope. You are my, I find my joy in you. If, it, if you haven't had that in your life, that attitude of repentance, I'd like you to start right there. That's your step, okay? That's your step. Uh, you're going you're gonna to cultivate that this week. You're going to, by your choice, turn away from this world as a solution and begin to turn your heart toward the things of God. It's really that simple. You say, well, I don't know where to start. Well, start with some quiet time where you express the longing of your heart to God. You'll be surprised how fast God meets you in that moment. If if you've been doing that, your next step, your next if you haven't if you haven't been baptized, that's a, a next step for you to be baptized because that's identity. That's why it's public. It's identity. You are now not your own. You are of the household of God. You are adopted. That's why you're baptized into His name. It's it's adoption. If you've been baptized and you haven't received the power of God, the, the, you need to believe that the Holy Spirit will start guiding you and leading you. One of the signs of that will be you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost like on the, the, the book of Acts. You can yeah. receive that same experience. But I want you to understand, that's not the Holy Ghost. That's a sign of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will work with you right now. The Holy Ghost will work with you when you're still at the club, when you're not living right, when you're the Holy Spirit of God will reach to you and knock on your heart door and love you while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We love you. But what's going to happen is when you have that explosive of a personal experience, your confidence is going to go to the next level. That's what happened to the disciples. Does that make sense? Jesus had been with them, but when they had that experience, their lives were changed. That may be the next step for you. If That's not your next step. It may be your next step where you start attending church regularly to to, to be bound together with other people of faith. It'll blow your mind how much strength it'll give you to join with other believers on a regular basis. Your next step may be to sign up in a small group and get some people in your life that you can exercise true spiritual growth with, uh, uh, true spiritual mentoring. Both ways, you make each other better. Iron sharpens iron. My appeal to all of you today. What's your next step? Let's take Take it. Let's take it. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for every heart here. I'm praying for every person. I pray that you would guide us, lead us, anoint us, empower us according to your will. Let your spirit move mightily upon us, Lord. Not not for the sake of our elevation, but for the, the, the glory of your name in the world in which we live. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Now put your hands together. Give God a shout of praise that fills this whole house. We exalt you all. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929. North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.